Hello and welcome to episode 133 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. And back with us again to talk about his amazing novella and other things, of course. Uh, Unnecessary Chaos is Brent. Welcome back, my friend. I mean, you're part of the show, but. Yeah, yeah. same thing. (laughs) Is it getting weird now? (laughs) No, no, it's not weird. (laughs) Well, we love talking about your book, man, which is why we're doing it again. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to Will to ask the first uh, round of questions. What's going to be our topic this time around there, buddy? It's about writing through emotional times. Dun, dun, so, dun. so first, Nick. Nick, for, sorry, Brent. Yes. Why don't you give us a pitch again for the listeners who might not have, you know, either are new or just, you know, Need a little reminder. Tell us what the novella is about. Give us the pitch of a necessary chaos. Okay, so it is um it is like a black gay Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but instead of instead of guns, there's magic, and the setting is a lot more uh corporatist and dystopian. Love it. So let's talk about when you originally created the idea was it when uh dave from neon hemlock who publishes it was the idea born when he approached you to be like hey do you have a novella in mind or did you start this earlier than that this seed of idea so it was earlier but not like it wasn't like i did a lot of work on it i just had this one scene in my head for the story and it and it was just that I just had a scene and I had an overall idea. So when Dave came to me, I gave him like three different ideas. I was like, these are three things that like I have in various stages. Like, which one do you want? And um, he was kind of like, I'm vibing with this idea. And so then that's when I kind of like really sat down and started trying to flesh it out and make it into something. Okay, so you mentioned on um, some previous episodes when we were talking about the creation that you wrote this during a really difficult period. But I kind of want to go through um, even before that. So Dave tells you, okay, this is the idea I'm vibing with. Was what you were going through um, in life happening as you started the draft or when you were like in the middle of it? I think it was... At a little bit before I started draft, because what I did was I did, um, he said yes to the idea. Then I did a whole plot outline for the, the thing. And um, I had given it to a couple of people. Uh, LP, who's not here, was one of them. But uh, I gave it to a couple of people. I was like, hey, look at this outline. See if it, um, see if it makes sense. See if it's coherent. Tell me, like, you know what's not working and so i got that feedback made some tweaks sent it off to dave who gave kind of like the the thumbs up on it then i started writing and then that's when everything went to hell (laughs) so it was it was like right that was like right after i kind of like had a structure in mind and started writing all right so you have your structure you started writing and then life started happening how did that affect the story first um i think 
I think when I was first writing it, it probably, it definitely wasn't as strong as a draft as it probably could have been because I honestly just wanted to be done with it and I wanted it off my plate because I didn't want to think about the things that, you know, were um, going on in the story. So it was more like just like, you know, I I wouldn't say phoning it in because I don't think I was doing that. It was more just like trying to <laughs> trying to escape it a little bit. I was like, I, I need to finish this thing and send it off. So I think I think that is part of why too why um it did end up needing like so much of it being uh, structurally changed and rewritten and uh, refocused just because there was a, a sense of me just not wanting to not wanting to like be that deep in it because I didn't want to be dealing with that and other life things at the time. Marshall question. Well, I'm just curious. I know this is early on and we haven't talked specifically about what was going on, but we're talking about writing through, you know, difficult times, but people will want to know this as well. If they were working with somebody who's wanting to publish something of yours, how, much did Dave know what was going on and how willing was, you know, if he did know, was he working with you or was there pushback at all? Or how was that process for you? I didn't tell Dave. Oh yeah. <laughs> that have, was my fear. <laughs> yeah. I have a habit of, um, and this is, this is just something I, I've had to get better about in life in general. I have the, I have the oldest child um, problem of not wanting to ever, uh, tell anyone what's going on and just trying to manage and deal with it by myself because I, I I have this idea that like no one not that no one cares but no one needs to deal with what I'm dealing with I just need to handle it and so yeah no Dave Dave had no idea I was just kind of like going through it and uh yeah so I didn't tell him. I probably should have told him, but uh, I think going forward, like that is one lesson I've taken from this is that like if if things are rough or if I need more time or if something's just not or if something's just great isn't happening, I need to communicate that. And yeah, so that was a that was a uh, lesson, and I think that's just going to be a continual life lesson for me because that's kind of like baked into. Uh, into a lot of core memories. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I'm trying to fight like core programming. So I think it will be something I will forever have to work on, but yeah, I definitely should have told them I didn't. <laughs> Good. Nick. Okay. So kind of follow up question on that. If the, the story, we have the story, there were some rough times writing it and you went through some things. Do you think this would have ever come to life as it did if you had told anyone about it, such as Dave, or do you think this is a story that had to organically be eternalized first to come out? I think it could have came out. I think, um, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it, came, it would have came out and I think it probably would have been less, uh, excruciating, extracting some of it. Uh, I took, I think I took the, phrase bleed on the page a little too literally when writing this like um that definitely should have been i think i definitely should have took a moment and like stepped back and and dealt with you know the uh multiple things that were like coming at me so um I, yeah i i think 
if there's anything I could hopefully get across to people here is that like it is okay to uh take a break and like you know you're don't let this idea that like the the the, the tortured artist uh thing like make you push yourself through things you probably you probably should take the time and, and process. I know you mentioned two things in our previous episodes um, was unrequited love and a death of a mentor. That was two of the reasons why you were going through such a hard time. And you said you were trying to get through the first draft because you didn't want to think or be in the story because of what was going on. So what was it? happening in the story that was making you want to push through was it the was it the love between the two characters uh was it you know the death of you know some of their people what was it that was really like pulling at your heart uh like i think what um and well, that was the, mostly the external motivation was what kind of made me keep going was because I was just very much like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not screwing up this chance to have a book out there in the world and I'm going to make it happen. And, and, you, and I, I was, uh, I was not being, I think not being as kind to of myself as I probably should have been. Cause I was just like, you know, this is your chance. You got to do it. You just make it happen, figure it out. Like. You know, like everybody goes through shit. Like you, you, you know, uh, your, your shit's not unprecedented. Uh, you can get, you can get through it. And I think I, it was more external. And then, um, yeah, like I think it was mostly external. There wasn't like anything specifically in the story that I felt like it was drawing me to keep writing it. If anything, it was repelling me to like wanting to write it because there's just stuff in that story that I was just like, I, I don't want to write this right now. I don't want to like, I don't want to deal with this right now. But you know, like, like I said, there was the external motivation that was more than anything, like pushing me to keep going. Marshall. So I'm wondering too, because I mean, we have, I don't know. I talk to writers all the time. We all talk to writers all the time and life sometimes just is relentless sometimes, you know, so how was there something specific or an, not advice, but like, was there anything that besides the need to wanting to do it, like anything you uh, not told yourself, but I guess what I'm asking is, was there like something to trigger like a writing session or just something that could kind of, um, that kind of helped you keep going, even though you were, you were kind of dealing with this other stuff. Does that make sense? I guess yeah, what I'm asking no. is if other people are going through the same thing or butting up against writing because of life stuff. Um, I don't know. Is there tips and tricks or something that we can help people with? Well, I mean, my, <laughs> I guess my answer is kind of morbid uh, without morbid, but um, I, what honestly that uh, what kept me going more than anything was just like, it was the easiest way for me to justify just being alone and not having to deal with anyone or anything. Um, and it was not, it was a coping mechanism. It wasn't a good one, but, um, you know, I don't want to have to talk about my feelings right now. I have to write. I can't talk to you guys. I can't get on the phone. 
Oh, I have I mean, to write right now. This is why this is why you haven't seen me like in in the week. Like I'm I'm doing this, you know, it became like a um yeah, it became like its own coping back. It, it it's weird. It's tortured. It's like it's weird. Like the thing that I did not want to do and the thing I was like that was painful to do was also the thing that kept me from having to um deal with that in terms of like other people who would probably want to know what was going on with me. So I, I, I don't know. It, it came in this weird negative, like feedback loop, I guess. So that's not really a tip. I would not recommend doing that. Uh, that's not, that was not healthy. Um, my, I guess if I did have a tip, the only tip I would say is just like, do it only because you feel like you need to do it. Don't do it because you feel like you're on a schedule don't do it because, you know, you're trying to please somebody else or something. Because um, I think there is uh, Nettie Okorafor talked about writing uh, Who Fears Death After Losing Her Father. Hmm. And it was actually quite, quite profound the way that she talked about it. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So I think about that and... Uh, yeah, and and I think she was writing that story because it was therapeutic for her grief. It was, um, yeah. So I guess taking it back, that's what I would say. If it's not feeling therapeutic, if it's not feeling like it's bringing you catharsis or or um some kind of like I don't know hope for the next day, then I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I was doing it as like I said, like a weird negative coping mechanism that that wasn't healthy. Right. Let's talk about where the story was then at that moment. It didn't feel cathartic in the moment. No, no, it felt it felt very like I, it felt like I was just like dragging myself across a bed of nails. Like at, at, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't feeling cathartic. It felt it felt a bit uh, felt a bit self flagellation, whatever they call that. Yeah, that's what yeah. It, it kind of felt like that. Looking back now that it's done, does it feel cathartic now? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Now, like now, if I, I look back, I I read it and I I see it, and you know, I'm proud, I'm happy with it. I feel like you know, I I, I had a friend who called me actually the other day, and they were like, they they read it, and they were like, you know, I I want more of this. I want more of like these kind of like because he's gay. He was like, I want more of these kind of gay stories out in the world, and I. Uh, you know, and it was like, I'm happy to know that like, you know, they exist and, and yeah, so I, I think now that it's out there and I've, and I've went through the process of like moving, not moving past, but, um, better, I guess, better, like handling some of these, these hard things that happen. Yeah, I, I, I do feel, um, it's cathartic now. Okay. <clears throat> so now we're going to just dig a little deeper. Okay. And I want to talk about unrequited love because you were, you were, you've talked about this <clears throat> in one of the previous episodes about, yeah. you know, you had someone that was unrequited love and here you were writing ultimately like a love story in a lot of ways, you know, like you, you had these two characters that were dancing around each other, seeing where they were at, but they, they had feelings and they were falling in love was that what was hard to write in that aspect in that aspect yes because it was just like you know 
and, and it was hard not just because it was two characters in love and like you know um I was also drawing on a lot of the good parts of my uh of one of my previous relationships my um I, I would say I, I guess the the biggest relationship I've ever had uh, I think I was I was drawing on a lot of the good parts of that so just like drawing from that and while also because obviously I was no longer with that person so drawing from that and uh and then kind of um experiencing this present heartache and while <laughs> you're drawing on something from a past heartache it was just like yeah I, I feel like I was kind of pulverizing myself a little bit on that front but um yeah so that 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 is what kind of made that particular thing hard so let's talk about now that you look back and it being cathartic when it writing it and drawing on your past relationships and then also having a broken heart at the time. Can you look at that now and be like, it helped me heal or it helped me process? Yeah, it did both. It definitely did both. Um, Cause yeah, now the, the, uh, the, 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 the unrequited guy now, like me and him are great. Like we're, we're friends. We're really good friends actually. And you know, we got, uh, moved past it. And, and I, and honestly, <laughs> I know he's not listening to this. So bullet dodged, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love, love him oh, to death, funny. love him to death. But, uh, yeah. And, um, also, you know, it also kind of helped me too, like with uh, realizing that, like the the last relationship I had, it, it 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 was hard and it had its like it definitely had its darker spots, but it wasn't all bad, and there was a lot of good in it, and there was a lot to like. There was a lot, I, and I think I used to always kind of um, beat myself up for looking back fondly on parts of that relationship because there were parts that were so bad, but like writing that story kind of made me go, you know what? Two things can be true at the same time. I can, there, I, I can miss a lot of the good moments and still recognize that. Yeah, we probably had no business being together. So let's talk about the ending. Okay. Of the novella, because it does, it does where the two characters wind up together. Was that your way to write your happy ending? Like, was it, was it cathartic to do that? Was it, well, I wish things went out or was that any part of the process of maybe you working through relationships and what you hope for the future? So that ending, honestly, was less for me and more for community. I feel like black gay men don't get to see happy endings for ourselves. We don't get to see our relationships, you know, thriving or having a chance to thrive in media. So that was that was much less about me and more about like, you know, giving giving gay black men a story where, hey, like you get to be happy. You can be happy, too. Like your relationship doesn't have to end in fire and smoke all the time. And I think, you know, I think, and, and this is my one critique of Moonlight because I love that movie. I love it. But like, they leave that ending so ambiguous and it's just like, well, I don't know if they actually are together or not, or I don't know, like, you know, what the next step is. And I just kind of, 
don't know. I felt a little annoyed with the movie on that front. I just felt like, you know, like give black men, give gay black men something happy for once. Or give them hope of something happy, you know? So I, that was more for a community purposes and less for me. I'd say that. Okay, wait a minute, though. Let's just roll back for a minute. I get it. Yeah. But I want to know for you, did that, how can I word this? Did you need that happy ending for your um, old self, for that kid that didn't get to see that? By the time I got to it, I would Mm -hmm. say, by the time I got to it, I would say no, just because a lot of, I had done a lot of external processing of things. Now, mm-hmm. I, I do think, like, um, when I say community, I definitely put myself in that, too. I, I think I, I I personally want to see more stories where, you know, black gay men get to be happy and end up together. But as far as, like, personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that's not the part of the story that I would say was, like, where I was really processing things. When you look back at it, though, right, do you feel like... That was the right choice for you to do oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like no, 100%. You're still like, you don't feel like you ha- gave it like, you know, an easy out. Like, you feel like that was the ending that I really wanted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I knew from the very beginning, like, I was going to have that ending be where, with them still together. Because I feel like it's just, you know, with like, I feel like... Black people in love, we like we we have to fight so hard to get those stories out in the media where our relationships, for the most part, are healthy, happy, that aren't mired by like by like violence and trauma. Though in this, this story, I guess there is definitely violence and, and and trauma in the mix. But I still wanted it to be kind of like somewhat hopeful at the end. Mm-hmm. And I've even had a couple of people reach out to me to actually say that they appreciated that, that like they're happy that, you know, that they're still together at the end. So let's talk about then losing a mentor and death. Yes. Which is definitely in um, the book. Can you talk about the deaths in the story? And when you were writing it, and then all also experiencing grief at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so two deaths actually kind of happened around that time, um, in this process of this book. So my uh my writing mentor and my uncle um both passed away. So um my writing mentor, Derek Ferguson, like just this big <laughs> This huge personality of a guy. He was like this black guy from Brooklyn. And um, he uh, he found me through fan fiction of all things because he used to write some too. But he also did like his own original fiction on the side. And there weren't a lot of black guys writing, you know, fan fiction or whatever. So he kind of took me under his wing. And he would always say this thing. He was like, well, my writing sucked back then. I mean, I was like 1920. It was God awful shit. But um, he was like, he would always say, he was like, What's going to make you successful, Brent? He was like, isn't isn't the words that you put on the page right now? It's the fact that you're going to keep putting words on the page. He was like, you're going to. He was like, you're going to knock out that million words faster than anyone I've ever seen. He was like, because all you do is write. All you do is like you this. He was like, your work. He was like, the fact that you work as hard as you do. He was like, that's what's going to take you somewhere. And he was like, so you know, he was because he was always like, 
And it was, was like, don't beat yourself up now. It's like, you got to be bad before you can be good. And it's like, you got to work before, you know, you can. And so, um, yeah, so he was just always like, like rooting me on. And he would always give me like these little life, like lessons of, like, um, I think one of the reasons like criticism doesn't bother me to the extent that it probably bothers other writers um, who first like get their books out there. It's because he always gave me this like this uh, this little bit of wisdom. He'd be like, "Look, they paid for your book. You got their money. <laughs> if they want to be if they want to be bad about it, well, you got <laughs> you just got paid." And and uh, or he would always say too. He was like, "Hey, like." At the end of the day, that person gave up time in their life that they're never going to get back to read your book. So if they hated it, well, uh, don't take it so harshly because think about the think about the sacrifice they made in reading your work. So I was always like taking those two things to like heart when I'm um, trying to go out there. So, yeah, he really like I feel like mentally fortified me for a lot of the uh, BS that you run into in publishing. And yeah, and he was just like he just. He just loved, he loved comics. Like he loved comics. He was one of the first people to really put me on the Black Panther and just that whole great mythology and history and all that stuff. So he was just this huge personality, right? So um, there was that, and then there was my uncle, who uh, he was my dad's older brother, and him and my dad were very, very close. And he was also the. Um, he was the only one that like ever actually didn't give me shit about being gay. So like, you know, so losing both of them pretty much around the same time was just like, I was just like, damn, what else? <laughs> you know, that's what it felt like. And um, so, yeah, so writing that dynamic with um, Carmola and like Authors, that was that was very cathartic for me, actually, because um, I... I kind of like the way she was kind of like, kind of like uh, brusque with him sometimes. It was very much how Derek used to be with me about things. And um, so, yeah, it was very cathartic getting to write that. And, you know, because in a way it was kind of like, okay, well, you know what? I, he won't get to see this, but I can maybe put some of him in it. So, um, so yeah. So with that being in mind, like, when you finished it and you think of like your mentor and your uncle, how does that make you, I don't not how does it make you feel? Well, yeah, of course. But like, I think about the things I'm writing and I'm writing a play right now that is really um, deeply affecting, maybe cathartic to an extent. And I feel like when I finish it, it's almost like there's a piece of them in there do you think of it that way do you realize that like all of these people in your life who you know those two solid people in your life who affected you that now there is a piece of them that's forever in the world through art oh yeah yeah no definitely i, I mean that <laughs> i think i i don't think there's any way to not carry the um them even into future works like there's definitely a part in the the novel i'm like working on right now that like has something that very much is like you know my uncle being in it so i think um i don't think that there's any, at least for me now i don't know about other writers but i don't think there's any way for me to like not leave an imprint of myself 
and the people I love and know in everything that I do. I don't think there's any way for me to really escape that. And I don't think my writing got good until I finally accepted that. Because I think for a while I used to run from the idea of like putting too much of myself into um, onto the page because it, cause it's, it, it's exposing, right? It's like very, you're uh, very much like revealing your joys, your griefs, your hurts, your insecurities, all that. It kind of finds its way to the page. And what's funny to me, at least, is that like I think readers don't always pick up on the same things, but they always pick up on something. So um, it's almost like a Where's Waldo of, of Brent's feelings when you read the story. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. So I, at least for me, I, I don't think there's any way for me not to carry all of that into the work. So I'm going to uh, ask Marshall and Nick the next question. Um, how, after reading the book, and then obviously being with Brent on the podcast and knowing, you know, what was happening, how does it affect you to think about you working through something difficult in life now that you've seen one of your friends and cohorts and writers go through this and talk about it? Had it given you a different perspective about how you approach your art? Did it make you pause? Did you, when you were reading the book, because we know Brent on a different level than like the general reader will, right? So how does that think about Brent? How does it think about yourself and your art and how you want to infuse your art with maybe what you're learning through working through emotions? I don't know. I I see Brent and I see, you know, I'm, you know, we've been doing this for, for a while now and I feel like the amount of times we've sat around just to get a zoom together, just to vent or be there for someone or something like that, knowing that we're all doing art and life at the same time. Um, I love hearing Brent's stories. I, the two people he lost sound amazing. Um, and I'm glad those, those, figures in your life will continue in your story in your stories. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I'm kind of at the point now (laughs) where I need to gear myself back up for writing more again. And I'm like trying to kind of power through some bullshit, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what do I need to like? That's why I asked that question earlier too. I'm like, so what do I need to do to tell myself, to figure out just fucking put the words on the page. You know what I mean? Um, but I know it can be done because I've seen Brent do it. Um, we have some friends that have been going through some stuff and we have a friend who's got a short story coming out who's been dealing with some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? And it's like, I love seeing that. And I love seeing the people I love and care about and hear their stories and then get to read their stories and know that there's all of that stuff they've gone through is part of those stories. And I want that for my friends too. I want, you guys to read something of mine and be like, Oh, I remember he was going through some shit, but that story's out and I like it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, it gives me hope that I know I'll get to the other side of whatever I'm, whatever I've got coming up or whatever's going to come up in the future. I don't know if that answers your question. Sometimes I just kind of say stuff, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mostly because I'm a little stuck and a little frustrated, um, with just life, just kind of, it's kind of this time of year too. You know, uh, we're recording this and what, I mean, 
December. Uh, everything's busy. Everything's crazy. So I'm just trying to kind of find the time to be with my friends and, and do some art on the same, at the same time, you know? Yeah. Mick. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing is, is the inevitable, right? You're going to bleed on the page. It's going to happen. Um, and you never know how it's going to present. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned with watching Brent go through it is how many times I heard, man, I didn't think I'd have to be dealing with this. Like, oh man, I thought this was resolved. Oh man, I didn't even think about this. And now I have to like, I have to work through this before I can continue. Um, I think things just come up, right? As you're writing and you're telling the stories that you want to tell. And I think that's something like, I think you could prepare for it to an ex- certain like extent. Be ready, I guess, for something to to hit the fan while you're writing. But I've always said, like, if you're not bleeding on the page, then, like, you know, I, I feel like that's a necessary thing. And Brent kind of proved that for me over and over again with this one. And kind of all your works, Brent, like, you definitely bleed on the page. Being close with you and, and, and seeing you go through all these processes, I think that's something that you do very well. Um, but it's definitely taught me that like, I'm going to bleed on the page. I don't know how that's going to happen with every book. You know, about, what about I Will? W- is Will going to answer like, his own question? Yeah, I won't. Hey, will. Okay. Yeah, good. I won't in a minute, but I want to kind of transform that word bleed on the page because I think that can have a negative connotation when I think what we're actually doing is processing on the page. I think, yes, it's difficult. And there's a level of, um, I want to transform that, that thing of like being a tortured artist. Because sometimes I think people think you need that. And I think sometimes what writing really does is it makes you connect to your most inner self or parts of yourself at various times. And yes, that even means the villain, you know, because we're human, you know, we all have light and dark. Um, so I try to think of it like that. I think, I hope uh, people can not be afraid to process on the page. And if bleeding on the page sounds too scary, then what you're really doing is processing things on the page and you're digging deep. Um, for me, uh, I guess if I'm answering my own question, I mean, watching Brent like, write it, I mean, I'm just really proud of him. I think there was a time that he maybe felt like he couldn't do this or it would never finish, but there was never a doubt in my mind that you would finish it and it would be great and it would be a great story. So there was never any doubts in my head. And to see him struggle and have doubts, I just hope he knew that we all knew or that I did that I knew you were going to get through it. I knew it was going to be great. I knew it was going to be like probably like one of the best-selling novellas uh, that Neon Hemlock will ever have in their life. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, I think it also has helped me in my own work to be like, oh, if Brent can walk through a lot of the stuff that he's had to deal with, then maybe I can too. And I think that is just really great on another level, because while I see it in people I admire who I don't know, it's even been greater 
and more joyful to watch it from someone I admire both artistically and then just as my friend. Nice. So, Brent, I guess hearing our response from that, how does that make you feel about maybe this tough journey that you went through? Like, does it, does it feel like sometimes you don't even know how you're affecting people? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. That combined with the little, you know, the little video y'all put together for me for book release day, like those, those two things definitely like kind of um opened my eyes to like, you know, wow, I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't know people felt that way. I didn't know like they, they, that they thought these things. Cause you know, I mean, I guess for me, when I'm just in the, in the moment, in the trenches, I'm just thinking about the, uh, thinking about the work. I'm always just thinking about the work and trying to push through to the next thing and do the next thing. And I'm not thinking about, you know, like impact. I, I think I always try to, I hope, always hope that there'll be impact, you know, but I don't like, I, I think we all know those people who actively try to uh, cultivate themselves as people of, of, of great importance and impact. And, you know, that, 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 that try to make sure, you know, that what they're doing is going to be so great for you. And it's like, I never want to be that. I just want to do the work and like chips fall where they fall, where they fall. But, um, yeah, hearing it is, is definitely, I mean, it's definitely fueling the, fueling the gas tank to keep going onto the next thing. Cause, cause unfortunately I feel like, I'm going to be a bit like the Schwab and how like no matter how many things I finish, no matter how many things I write, I'm going to feel some of these same insecurities and feelings no matter what. Because when And I think, at least for me, I don't ever want to get to a point where I don't feel some of these things because I feel like that means I'm not pushing myself. If I don't feel like I, I might not be able to do a thing or I don't know if this is going to work or... You know, so I don't ever want to be at a point where I'm not pushing myself. So, um, yeah, just hearing, I guess, hearing that I'm helping other writers and other creatives know that they can get the thing done is pretty cool. Well, and something you said a minute, a second ago, too, about the video we put together, I think is interesting because I don't know, writing is one of those it's a really solitary thing. Like we have these people around us. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll pass these, you know, pass stories back and forth, but I'm wondering, I don't know how surprised you were, what the surprise was for you in the video, like how many people or what they said or the impact they had. But what I think is really something that we talk about a lot, uh, what we talk about a lot in, on this show, in our community is the community itself and how we lean on each other. Right. And like knowing sometimes we forget how many, how many people are out there rooting for us. Right. When we're sitting at our computer by ourselves, freaking stressing and, and crying or whatever else we're doing, trying to get these freaking words on the page, you know? Um, so I'm curious. So like, what was it about that particular act, that video, or was it just a nice thing? Like what about that? made you mention it uh, in response to what Will asked. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Before you go, let's just tell the yeah. listeners, because, you know, they might not oh, understand yeah, this. Bad, yeah. We created a video where we reached out to all of Brent's like um, peers and family and friends to create a video 
They got a link. They could put a video in congratulating him on the release of Unnecessary Chaos. And to say the least, it was very emotional. It was very emotional watching it, and it wasn't even my book. So there we go. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, uh, for me, it was definitely like, I'm not going to lie, I was stunned at parts of it just because like, I guess it's one thing to know that people appreciate you, like, because I mean, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I know, like, there, there are people that you know that like me and appreciate me, and you know, enjoy working with me or reading my work or whatever. Like, I know that I'm not, I'm not that oblivious. But seeing it all combined in that way, I think, and hearing um, some of the very heartfelt things people had to say, just like, I don't know, it, it, it was. It was it was probably like one of the most affirming things as a creator I've like ever received. I think just because, um, like you said, Marshall, writing is such a solitary thing in a lot of ways, and 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 it always will be. But um, I think knowing that like it, there are going to be moments where it's not, and that people. Even in your solitude, there are still people watching you and rooting for you. It was uh, I don't know. It was just very, very affirming, and it was very emotional. And um, I, yeah, and just like I don't know. I, I I already got it. I'm ordering the USB for it. So whenever I feel like I can't do it or I need a pick me up, I'm just gonna plug that in and watch it. Like um, I had two friends over one night, and they just were like, oh, I want to see it. I want to see it. So I played it for them, and at the end, they were like. Wow, Brent! Like they, 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 uh, one of the one of the guys, they, and like you know, he um he was like, I'm not even joking. He was like, I'm I'm so proud to know you right now. It was like uh-huh. I, I was like I didn't know you like did this for that many people, and uh yeah, so yeah, so it was just like a really really affirming thing, I think, and it just one of those things I think I'm going to always remember and hold on to to some degree. Uh. I'm glad to hear that, man. I, I think it's yeah. it's nice to have that kind of, you know, it's one of those things like it's like your wedding video. It's like stuff like you have around. It's like you can kind of always go back to that. I think that's awesome. The next question is, what is the three biggest takeaways from writing through an emotional time now that you can look back at it? The biggest one, the biggest one is know when you need to take a break and step away because I didn't and I should have. So that is the biggest lesson. I think I'm going to keep harping on that to people like over and over. Like I know like, and it's okay if you like hear all this and think, Oh, he was resilient and he pushed through and, and, and that's, that's fine if that's one takeaway. But the other takeaway I really want to harp on is that it is okay to, to not be okay and to take a break and to give yourself time. Like I should have gave myself time and I didn't. So that's the biggest one. Um, The other one is that uh, it's okay if, um, if the, if, if you're a little bit afraid of the story coming out into the world, (laughs) because I think that means you put your heart in it. And uh, yeah. And it's always a scary thing, kind of putting a little piece of your heart out there. And, um, the third thing I would say is, um, it is so important to have, um, I'm just going to say group chat and quotation marks here, but, uh, (laughs) anything that, uh, that is a form of people that you can talk to 
in private where you don't have to put your thoughts out in the public. Like you, every, every writer needs that. Please use your group chat, whatever, whatever that group chat looks like, whether it's a zoom, a, a, a Slack or a text message or whatever, just have one of those. I think every, especially when writing a book is difficult or taking, you know, taking you to places that are hard for you, you need to have your friends and friends that I would say that are writers too would probably be the most optimal, but friends in general, um, just to kind of like lean on when it gets hard. Uh, I love that. And for our final question of this episode of Just Keep Writing, what keeps you writing even when life is just hitting you in the face? Um, and I would say this. So because it's fun or it should be fun or it should be it should be a source of it should be a source of like fulfillment, I think, for you. Um like this novel I'm writing, like there's definitely nothing as catastrophic as like I think what I was going through with a novella, but life hasn't certainly hasn't been, you know, complete like sugar and spice in the in the time I've been writing it. So I think um knowing it's fun, knowing that, you know, it is it is uh it is something that gives you purpose and whether that's uh whether that purpose is just, you know, just to give yourself a creative outlet, like that's still a purpose. So, uh, yeah, I would think for for me, it, it's the it's the fulfillment aspect. All right, guys. Hey, don't forget to join us again next week as we're gonna talk with Brent once again, and we're gonna go over the magic systems and how he builds them. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing. (laughs) 